Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And here we are again. Mm-hmm. Another episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. For another week in... It's good to be here. Yeah, another week in Spooky Month, which we've enjoyed thoroughly. Yes, or Spooky Season. Spooky Month is October. True. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. <laughs> it's terrible. I should have never done that. <laughs> I should have never done that. Let's start over. I'm okay. Ki- I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I was like, okay, it's no, fine. No, I'm good. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I think we have, this is episode number 98 of this the tapes. Yeah, we're getting close to 100. We're getting close to 100. Uh, not sure even what we're going to do yet. Yeah, because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But sometimes I go back and I wonder, um, like, because we've, we've done so many episodes. Now, we record them on our own. Yeah. Uh, I edit them. Mm-hmm. And Brooke does the music. It's a team effort yes, here. Yes, it is. And... I oftentimes wonder, is there ever an episode out there, 1 through 98, <laughs> or in this case, 97, that I've ever missed, like a mistake missed a that moment, we made? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we have. Where like, uh, I go, oh, hold on, wait, let me start over and go back. Because <laughs> <laughs> that does happen sometimes, and, and hopefully... I like um, to think it's authentic. Hopefully my editing is, is adept enough to where it's able to cover that. Uh, I was listening to the Edward Scissorhands episode and, and found one. I was listening to it, and you I was did. like, oh, wait, let me start over and say that again. And then <laughs> I said it again. But, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? You know, we're people. We mess up. Yes. There you have can't been, edit everything in life. No. And there have been some episodes we've never messed up on. We just kind of go right through. Hopefully yeah, this, yeah. This will be one. But mm-hmm. if not, you'll never know. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Uh, this week, uh, as we already mentioned, we're, we're talking about another episode of my favorite show, are You Afraid of the Dark? Still my favorite show. Yep. It's starting to feel like fall outside. It's getting a little cooler. Yes. I mean, relative to the south. Yeah. <laughs> in September, it still feels a little bit like summer, but we're doing all right. It's just exciting. So um, we watch every episode before we record. I, I made a point to watch this episode um, this evening. Right. And, uh, or, you know, right before we record, because again, you want to be in that mind frame. And uh, my son came in, our son came in <laughs> and Sorry. yeah he came in and it was immediately Hooked like in. like pulled in just like i was yeah and this was special actually i told him the little story i said yossi when daddy was 11 years old he saw this episode this is the episode right here mm-hmm. that pulled me in <laughs> if you are a faithful listener of the tape store and you have a good memory you might know what episode i'm talking about I'm talking about the tale of the twisted claw so good it will always be one of my favorite episodes because it is the first ever Are You Afraid of the Dark episode that I saw. Mm-hmm. Happened to get home from, uh, it was either from Halloween, from trick-or-treating, or it was from some Halloween-type uh, event. Right. It, it, it was either a little before Halloween or it was Halloween night. But yeah. I got home and I saw this episode and I was like, you know, Never seen anything like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what is this? And couldn't believe it, what I was seeing. And, and yeah, loved it. So, and I and, and it was neat. Here we are. It's 2021. Yeah. This is back in 1991 when I first saw this episode. That's crazy. It's been 30 years. We're going on 30 years. That's nuts. And I had said, and here you are. Yeah. You know, a little boy. <laughs> and, and, and he was into it. I said, so this is really cool. I get to do this. Oh, that's so nice. He probably didn't. He, he obviously probably didn't understand the full weight of it, but it felt really of cool. Of course not. He said it. So the, <laughs> the tale of the Twisted Claw. This is officially considered the fourth episode of the first season. Right. It aired officially in what is called season order. That's like when a season comes out and you have yeah. episode one, two, three. But some shows have what are called pilots. Mm-hmm. You know, they get put out there. See to how see how, the, how yeah. it's received. See how it goes. So again, Twisted Claw, if you look at the season order of Are You Afraid of the Dark, it's number four. It aired in season order on September 5th, 1992. Mm-hmm. However, however, it aired as the show's pilot on October 31st, 1990. So cool. Almost two years before this episode was filmed and made and, and put out there, you know, a whole two years before Are You Afraid of the Dark actually got like an order of seasons. Right. So it's really cool. Yeah, that is neat. I wondered when it because it, I, I when I was looking at it and it said episode four, but then it also said it's the pilot episode, and I was like, 
wait a minute, what? I was able to find a an, an interview uh, of Ross Hull, who played Gary. Yeah. Uh, I was who's a weatherman up in Tor- yes. Toronto. Toronto, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so we follow him on Instagram. We still we still keep up with him. We love <laughs> keeping up with with Ross Hull. He's a super nice guy. He's really oh great, yeah, so. so sweet. And it's great to still see what he's up to, and it's great to see that he's successful. So we're happy for you, Ross. Yes. And Gary in our hearts, right? <laughs> but uh, I was able to find an episode where he really talked about the making of, and he said, "Yeah, you know, we filmed this." He goes, "But you got to remember, it was another two years before we we got an order of seasons, so they were a little bit older when they came back to film again." Uh, I, I believe that was how it went, if I'm right. not mistaken. So again, it aired as a pilot on October 31st. So Halloween night, they came out with this thing in 1990 as a Halloween special in Canada. Ah. So I hadn't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. I saw it right here when, yeah. it, when it aired as a Halloween special in the United States on October 25th, 1991. Interesting. So I don't know if that was the night that I yeah. crossed paths with it. Maybe or if so. it was, Or maybe a few nights later they re-aired it in Halloween night. But it was 1991. When it, when I first got pulled in, that's so cool. Yeah, so yeah, it it was yeah. So it's, it's part of why we wanted to open our uh, open the tape store, you know, officially oh, yeah. as a podcast on October thirty first. Because so much of my nineties nostalgia for me, specifically personally, you have yours, but yeah. a lot of mine personally revolves around Nickelodeon, yeah, and Snick, and Are You Afraid of the Dark, and Roundhouse, and Clarissa, and. Many other things grow off of that. Yeah, you know, Ninja Turtles. And, oh yeah. Uh, but but you know the X Men cartoon. I can I can go on. But <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark is like the nucleus of that. So oh, yeah. But yeah, that's interesting, right? So yes, season uh, season one, episode four in the official order, but had already aired in nineteen ninety and ninety one as Halloween specials in Canada and U S. respectively. So it's a unique episode. Also, it's the first episode I ever saw, which we talked about. Made me an immediate fan. Uh, like Laughing in the Dark, it doesn't follow the usual format. It also has a mini epilogue. Yeah. Not related to the story, but it does have a little mini um, epilogue that doesn't it doesn't follow the normal the usual format right. that we're that we're used the, to. Yeah, the the later adopted. Which is campfire format. which is intro, campfire, story, campfire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a real legend too. Yes. The monkey's Paul. Mm-hmm. An English short story published in 1902, which is a cautionary tale about the unintended consequences of getting three wishes that are granted by a magical monkey's paw. Yeah. So remember that. Unintended consequences. So let's go to the show itself. The epilogue. A boy is asleep in his bed at night. Uh, he, he opens his eyes. Or I think maybe his eyes are already open. Either yeah. way, he's in bed. He's kind of curled up. He's turned over, like on his right side. And he says, not again. The room fills with, with a mysterious fog. The bedroom door opens, and a figure cloaked in black ominously approaches the boy in his bed. He has his back to the figure, but is clearly aware that there's something behind him. Yeah. He suddenly awakes, and it's morning. It's daytime. He says to himself that he hates the dream, but then he looks over in broad daylight, and there, from his dream, the figure is standing there still. Creepy. Makes it almost worse because it's in the daytime. Yeah. Right? That means it must be real. Yeah. The boy screams. And then we are brought into reality, as in we're by the campfire. Right. The boy screams, and then we switch to reality. Kiki is screaming. Kristen is screaming. <laughs> Betty Ann loves it. Of course. She's like, oh, yeah. She's like, yes, more. Because it's like it's, it, it's, it's a bad ending. And yeah. a lot of Betty Ann's tales end with a twist. Yes. That, that They're that, unsettling. Yes. That, that the ominous or, you know, the evil force is still there. Right. A lot of her stories have that that little twist at the end. So Betty Ann loves it, and then there's silence. Kiki asks Eric, who is sitting next to her, um, the one that had been telling the story that we've been seeing, what happens next. And Eric, in usual Eric fashion, mm-hmm. Eric was kind of uh, <laughs> not the most fun kid. No. You know? He he had his own personality, but he usually wasn't very friendly. No, he's prickly I mean, at best. I get that he was. He had a few moments of being cool, you know, but all in all, uh, you get the you get the feel that he's yeah prickly and uh, not 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 as open and vibrant as say, yeah. He's not as easy to get along with. I'm kind of yeah. like, how did y'all? How did you end up here? Right. He's not even like Frank prickly. You know, he's no. Not, Frank know. is still Frank has still got a heart. That's part of why yeah, he is. We talked about that. Yeah, he's it's it's he's like 
self-preserving the heart. Yeah, a lot of times Eric really can be just kind of a jerk. Yeah, I mean we love him, but yeah, we love him. He's part of the yeah. you know great actor. You know, great, uh, great, great performance, and and I think the guy went on. The guy that played him went on to uh, a Jacob Tierney. Okay, uh, went on to uh, to play another stuff. You know. So great performance, very convincing. Yeah, I mean, for sure. He, he made Eric someone that we're like, ah, Eric. So Eric says, "I don't know." When Kiki asks him what happens next in the story, Betty Ann, always vibrantly positive, even <laughs> though her she has this the darkest stories, incredibly positive, says that she loves it. It's a cliffhanger. But Gary, the leader of the Midnight Society, has to bring everybody back to Earth. Yep, of course. He's unsatisfied. The meeting is almost over, and no one has told a full story. Kristen criticizes Eric for calling a society meeting but not having a full story in tow. Uh, Eric is still Eric about it. He's like, well, at least you got a story or something. Oh, yeah, gosh. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get a bit of insight here on how the society operates. Uh, so apparently it's not just Gary that calls meetings. Yeah. Uh, any member can call a meeting. If they have a story. If they have a story. No, no doubt that, you know, that must be approved. Yeah. So this kid, so Eric comes with a story, probably does the whole spiel, throws the dust in, and doesn't finish his story. Yeah, so, so they're like, what the heck, man? Right. Well, Gary's, again, you know, he's disappointed. And there's silence. Who's got a story they can finish? David. Our sweet David. Good old David. David says he has one. One that he's been working on for a while, and it's ready. Gary hands him... The dust, and David submits for approval the tale of the twisted claw. And I will never forget that. I remember yeah. everything about that scene, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is freaking cool. <laughs> uh, and this is what David says uh, before he takes us, you know, into his story. It was the night before Halloween, the night of tricks, the night they call Mischief Night. Now, I've never heard of this. Have you? No, I actually have not. Never heard of Mischief, mischief Night. Mischief Night. I now, like it, though. Maybe uh-huh. it's a local thing, like in, in his story. And yeah, so, like that that neighborhood or that area or locale has something called yeah. Mischief Night, which is the night before Halloween. Are you looking it up or something? Yeah, I'd be interested to know if that is something that that actually happens. Either way, um, it sounds great. Anything to make Halloween last more than one blame night, right? Which is why we have right. spook, spooky stuff, spooky episodes and spooky season it is a thing it is a thing mischief night is an informal holiday in which children and teenagers engage in pranks and vandalism it's known by a variety of names including devil's night gate night goosey night moving night cabbage night what (laughs) the earliest reference to mischief night is from 1790 when a headmaster encouraged a school play which ended in an ode to fun which praises children's tricks on mischief night in most approving terms. In most approving terms. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. We're about to get some pretty unapproving stuff coming up. Very interesting. I like it. What would have really been interesting if David said it was the night before Halloween night, the night of tricks, the night they call Cabbage Night. Cabbage Night. Would have been great. (laughs) That would have been like, I'm sorry, what? Well, yeah. So we open, the first image we see. So it's Cabbage Night. It's Cabbage Night. The first uh, image we see actually is, I really love this opening, uh, is uh, this quaint house in a suburban neighborhood. It's night. It's you know, Cabbage Night. Uh, <laughs> but but th- there's a frowning jack-o'-lantern, jack-o'-lantern, don't, on the windowsill. <laughs> and it's just interesting because the jack-o'-lantern's frowning. Yeah, usually they are like have a creepy smile, but. I think it gives us, for me, it gave a sense of foreboding. You know? Yeah. That's not going to be good. Moments later, this house that we're looking at, it's, you know, zooms out, and this house becomes a target of some pranksters. Uh, it seems to be something that a lot of kids are doing. They 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 TP the um, the tree, yeah. and you know they just and suddenly you hear, "Hey, what are you doing?" Classic nineties mischief. Yeah, we miss it. Yes, <laughs> it seems to be something a lot of kids are doing. Well, there's two boys that we join that are also involved in mischief night. They're not part of a group. It's just them two. It's, right. It's Kevin and Dougie. Dougie. Yeah, Kevin and Dougie. They approach a large house surrounded by a fence. So, you know, th- these aren't the same same kids. No. You know, we, so this is just some other kids that were doing Mischief Night. So uh, we join Kevin and Dougie as they approach this large house, a you know, two-story house, surrounded by this, this kind of old uh, wrought iron black fence. Yeah. Um, 
David comments that Dougie is the daring one. Excuse me. Not Dougie. Kevin. David comments that Kevin is the daring one, making Dougie the cautious follower. Ah. And that's kind of what it is. It's he, true. Yeah. D- Dougie's like the sidekick. Kevin's like, the, come on, man. Don't be a wuss. Yeah. Don't be scared. And Dougie's always like, Kevin. Blah, blah, blah. Ramifications. Right. <laughs> so, you know, honestly, the, the brains of the group, the smarts and the wisdom is Dougie, but Kevin, but he follows He's Kevin. He's foolhardy. Around. Yeah. And Kevin's foolhardy and Dougie follows him, you know. They sneak up to the porch of this old house uh, where uh, Kevin berates Dougie for not being good at sneaking around. Too distracted to see that through a window in the house, a curtain is pulled slightly open. Yes. Someone is being watched, and it's them. Someone's watching them. Look out, boys. Mm -hmm. Uh, They ring the doorbell, and a seemingly unassuming older woman answers the door and is met with Kevin spraying her in the face with shaving cream. I'm talking full on. <laughs> this woman's terrible. face gets caked with Barbasol. But yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Dennis Nedger would be proud. Yeah. The woman is taken aback in fright. Just seems like this old lady. I mean, my thing would have been like, that's technically, that. I mean, that technically can be considered assault. Yes. You absolutely. spray somebody with shaving cream. Yeah. It's awful. And she's an old lady. Yeah. That's awful. I mean, you know, grumpy, you know, younger neighbor, sure. Right. I mean, not sure. Not great either, but you know. But this is serious. It's not elderly. like the, Even leaving the flaming uh, bag of crap on <laughs> yeah, the porch. That's awful. That's, it's that's awful, worse. but spraying someone with shaving cream. This lady opens the door. Yeah, she's assaulted. She is. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is you don't know what's happening. You open the door and you get sprayed with shaving cream for a second. You don't know what you're, what's on your face. Aww. Right? The woman is taken aback in fright. She falls backwards into a table on which is sitting a large and ornate vase or yes. vase. Which is it? I say vase because... Okay, it's a vase. I'm normal. <laughs> Again, she hits the table and she stumbles into it. The vase, which in turn, crashes to the floor and shatters. Terrible. Uh, Dougie turns to run, but Kevin stays, clearly showing... Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Kevin turns to run. Yeah. But Dougie stays. Remember, Dougie is mm-hmm. the hesitant follower. Yeah. So Kevin goes to take off running, but Dougie, like, kind of is watching this happen because he clearly feels bad. Yes. Clearly feeling remorse. Instant remorse, yeah. Instant remorse. He stays and he's watching this poor lady stagger around, you know. <laughs> it's not funny, I'm sorry. Uh, Kevin turns back and grabs Dougie and they flee into the night. The woman walks out to her porch, still kind of breathing, kind of hard, kind of like, what the heck was that? But she immediately switches gears and immediately makes this story suddenly go, wait a minute, what was that? (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's kind of that moment of like, whoa, 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 what was that? Yeah. She walks out. Again, as I said, she's kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe that happened. She's got, she's just kind of breathing heavily and quickly, her dismayed reaction stops. She just stops. Yeah. No longer looking afraid or shocked. A sinister smile grows, and she begins to uncontrollably laugh, her face still covered in shaving cream, but she's, like, satisfied. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. I know. We immediately go to 24 hours later, the next night. We're at Dougie's house. As he prepares to go out for Halloween, he's dressed in this white robe with, like, this goblin mask. Yeah. Uh, Tries to, like, scare his dad, and his dad's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Have you eaten dinner? Right. Kevin arrives dressed as a bum, which he apparently is every year, <laughs> because Dougie says, you're a bum every year, and he's like, what, it's the same candy. Uh, so we get candy, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, which, so he's, he's, he's not fully no. embracing what Halloween can be, no. I feel like. It's not just about the candy, the no. candy's fine. I feel like the candy's just, I could take it or leave it, just, I just love yeah. Halloween. No, right. Right, so, again... You know, Dougie's disappointed that Kevin decides to be, to not take it very seriously. Either way, yeah. they, they go out with, with pillowcases to get yep. candy. I mean, you're getting, you know. You're, you're expecting a lot. Right. If you bring a pillowcase. They leave, but not before Kevin harangues a group of trick-or-treaters on the way out the door. So Kevin is kind of just he's a... kind of a little he's jerk. Just, yeah, he's just a punk kid. Uh, later that night, with bags full of candy... Uh, Kevin and Dougie approach that same old house. Which, uh, why would you? Well, Kevin is greedy for getting as yeah, much candy as just... possible. 
and, and he sees another chance to kind of be cool. Uh, he calls the lady by name this time, though. He says, let's go to Miss Clove's house. He wants to go to her door for candy. Dougie protests, how could they go back there after what they did? But Kevin is certain that they weren't ID'd. <laughs> this part's really important, though. Yeah. Because we're going to get some real exposition about the mysterious Miss Clove. Dougie comments that no one goes to her house, ever. And Kevin says, they could be known as the kids who are brave enough to go to the witch's house. Aha! You have to listen very closely there. That's important. After some convincing by Kevin, Dougie decides to follow him, and they approach the door, which slowly creaks open. You know, they, I think they ring the doorbell. Yeah. It slowly creaks open, and there she is, appearing shy and cautious, like, oh, no. Oh, hi. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, seemingly completely harmless is Miss Clove. The boys say trick-or-treat, and Miss Clove suddenly is so delighted to see them, you know, suddenly becomes very welcoming. Yeah. Somebody finally came to her home on Halloween, a night that she loves so much. Right? She's like, oh, of course just, you do. She says, I just love Halloween so much, and you two boys decided, you know, finally someone came to my house. She's welcoming. She's warm. She's complimentary. And because Kevin and Dougie, again, are the only kids to stop by, she's going to give them something special. Hmm. She leaves the room, and Dougie immediately notices, and this is strange, that the vase is that, that got knocked over yeah. the previous night is still in pieces on the floor. Not, she goes, hey, she didn't clean it up. That's weird, you know? Yeah, it is weird. It's interesting. It's weird because generally, and then, now again, this is there's always exceptions, but generally, especially in the 90s, your grandparents did not tolerate a mess. Right. Like, I mean, I'm talking milliseconds after it, they're like, they got the broom in the dustpan. So why? Why would Miss Clove not clean this up? Right. I think we get an answer to this question eventually. Well, let's keep going. Miss <laughs> Clove comes back into the room with an old, antique, rustic-looking wooden box. She opens it, and we find this box encases an odd and quite creepy-looking yeah. object, a dried-up, gnar- kind of a dried-up-looking, gnarled claw yeah. of a vulture. They're like, what is that? It's the claw of a vulture, you know? And, she, and we shared the, uh, the pi- a picture of this on Instagram the other day. Yes. Kevin is grossed out, but the woman assures him, hey, it's okay. It's not a real claw of a vulture. It's wooden, but it lo- it, it looks almost it real. It does. Empty. I thought it was just dried Yeah, or I something. thought it was like a petrified yeah, claw thought, of a vulture. Yeah, that's 100% what I thought it was. Yeah. Not only does she assure him, like, not only is it not real or gross, it's just a wooden sculpture, but it's special because it will give the boys three wishes apiece. So she says it's this magical, you know, talisman you know dougie hesitantly takes the claw kevin's like i'm not touching it you know? right so right D- that thing about where it came dougie from. takes the claw and before they leave the cheery face of miss clove becomes very grave and she issues a warning be careful what you wish for you just might get it the boys are weirded out by their encounter with the what they call the crazy old lady uh dougie's still holding the claw though and by this point he's tired of the way kevin's been and he's just like you know Ready to go home. He's just like a, he's exhausted. He wanted to go home already. They had, yeah. They had he a was great done. yeah. They had a great candy hall. Yeah, and, had a great run. And he's tired of Kevin. And then they just ran into this old lady. He didn't want to go back to this place where they you know accosted this old lady. Right. You know, he just wants to go home. In fact, he says, "I wish I could just go home and lose the whole trick or treating thing." Yeah. Right. In, in more words or less, but he began with "I wish." Suddenly, Dougie drops the claw. Swearing it moved when he said that. Ugh. Kevin thinks he's crazy. They can. The, you know, Dougie picks up the claw and they continue on. Moments later, and quite suddenly, Kevin and Dougie are accosted themselves. Yep. By a menacing group of masked teenage bullies that look like they look like nineties teenagers, but too. they're wearing these creepy looking yeah. masks, and they're not friendly. No. They have strange voices, though. That's what you have to listen yeah. to. Like, I really noticed it when I watched it this time. They have, like, these echoey voices, almost like, are they, are these real people? Yeah, they're, like, out of time or something. I don't know. They steal their candy. At least they steal Kevin's candy, definitely, and chase them down the street. They're only able to avoid these kids by hiding in trash cans, Kevin and Dougie. Mm -hmm. And Kevin points out, Dougie got his wish. 
trick-or-treating was over. So, strange, right? The next day at school, Kevin is seen with the claw, and though he's been ribbing Dougie about it, he decides to see if the claw really works. He's jealous of another schoolmate, a kid we only know by his last name, Bostic. Yep. (laughs) Has this beautiful mullet head of hair. (laughs) Right? He's athletic, he's popular, and he always wins at sports. And Ke- All the sports. Kevin is incredibly jealous. So understand, you know, Dougie made his wish kind of inadvertently. He wasn't trying. He wasn't t- uh, consciously trying to do anything. No. But Kevin is like, hmm, yeah. I'm going to see if this works. I'm going to do something selfish. It's a race today. There's this race at the end of uh, after school, the 600. Yeah. And Kevin wants to shut Bostic down. Those were his actual words. He goes, somebody needs to shut this kid down. Here's the thing. You know, I could half understand if Bostic was, say, like, another Are You Afraid of the Dark universe bully like Colback. Yeah. Who was actually a bully when we talk about Curious Camera at some yeah. point. Bostic's just kind of across the hall talking to some friends. Right. He's not, like, doing anything dastardly. But Kevin holds up the claw and wishes he could beat Bostic in the 600. I'm assuming the 600 meters. Yeah, that's that was what I thought. The claw briefly gives off a green glow and moves out of Kevin's hand. So now Kevin has felt the claw kind of lurch. Later on at the 600, the runners take their positions. Here's the thing. Bostic actually is a nice kid. Yeah, of course. Because before the race starts, he turns to Kevin and says, good luck. He's like a nice kid. He's just good at sports. I know. Leave him <laughs> alone. Let him be right. good at something. So the real dirtbag here is is Kevin. 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 Right. The race starts, and Bostic takes an early lead. It seems the claw was all a big joke. Yes. Bostic stays in the lead. Kevin can't overtake him. So Ball writes, it seems, that the claw, that the thing that happened the previous night was just a big fluke. Just a fluke. Yeah, just a, just a mean trick. Because Kevin can't overtake Bostic. When he tries to catch up with him, Bostic takes off, you know, increases his speed. Oh, yeah. And that's when Dougie, who's watching the race and is cheering Kevin on for some reason why you're cheering this goofy kid on. Who, who He's a re- loon. Right. He hears a growl coming from behind a tree that's a short distance behind him. He turns around and looks, and he hears a growl. It seems that the tree's growling. Yeah. A few moments later, we find that it's not the tree. There is a big black dog lurking behind this tree. And Ugh. what? And, and here's where we're going to use Brooke's literary <laughs> yes. uh, knowledge mm-hmm. of history, literary history, urban legends and such, mm-hmm. witchy knowledge. Yes, that's me. What do they call these black dogs in in legend as far as like, you know, scary legend? You know, Harry Potter talks about it, right? Yeah, um, a grim. Yeah, so what is up with that? So that's obviously an omen. And anytime we hear a grim mentioned, it's actually, I mean, obviously it's mentioned Harry Potter, you know, when he when he gets his uh, tea leaves red. Yes, and, uh, Trelawney. Professor Trelawney says, oh, it's a grim, which is also 90s books. Um, wow. Okay. 90s books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. So, uh, but also in Coraline, um, she also um, sees you know stuff in a, a black hand. You know anything like, especially with a black dog, it's an omen of you know bad things. Dracula, for example, appears as a black dog. You oh, know when yeah. he runs off the ship. There's yeah. lots of anything, night werewolfy mm. creatures of the night. Black dog's not good. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the grim means that I guess that okay, something terrible is going to happen. Yes, it's a it is an omen of ill fortune. And I just wonder if that's what the producers and the director and the people who wrote the story. I can't imagine they. Didn't I can't think imagine and think of because there's a lot of things could have happened. Here's what's interesting. Yeah, it, this is a to me this was a very strange convention to add to this. Yeah, and, and in a good way, strange in a good when way. When we get to the end of the story, it all connects. Yes, I of feel course. Like. But. Let's talk about what the dog does. With yes. The, you know, because this is a grim. Yeah, because it's a grim. Because w- what this dog does is it springs forward. It comes out, growls, comes out from behind the tree, dashes right to Bostic. And it's co- scary. And Bostic collides with the dog, uh, causing it causes Bostic to fall, and Kevin wins the 600. Kevin jumps over Bostic laying there on the ground. Wins, I know, God. And then the boys run up to find Bostic, who's being uh, tended to by the coach, who calls for an ambulance. He has a broken leg. Golly. Mysteriously, the dog, the Grim, mm-hmm. is nowhere to be found. Yep. 
And that's that right there tells you, okay, was it an actual dog to begin with? Right. Or was it a dog and what was it called out of into existence? Right. And where did it go after yeah. it did what? It went back to where it came from. Right. Which was n- not this plane. <laughs> this proves that the claw has magic. Mm-hmm. Um, both boys are convinced. Kevin shows up that night at Dougie's with the medal from the 600. He's like, hang, you know, just staring at it. I'm like, how, how do you feel good about that victory? Right. Exactly. He's, he's a jerk. Uh, Dougie's definitely convinced. Kevin's still being a goof. Uh, he's convinced that the claw is possessed with magic. Dougie wants to take the claw back and apologize to Miss Clove. He wants to talk to his parents, his folks. He kept saying, I gotta tell my folks. My folks, yeah. And in anger, Kevin says, I wish you'd just lose your folks. Oh, dear me. In that moment, the claw comes alive. Yeah, and he's in possession of the claw at the, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, by Kevin's yeah. statement, yeah. It, it flies across the room it like jerks out of kevin's hand which means it's activated to the words i wish by the person holding it the phone suddenly rings immediate it's the police informing dougie that his parents have been in a car accident and have been taken to the hospital dougie begins to panic kevin recommends using another wish to reverse his reckless wish right but you see dougie is actually the smart one here of course he is and he's caught on to what caution is smart (laughs) The claw is dark magic. It's not just magic. No, yeah, it's it's dark magic. Which means when, whenever a wish is granted, it brings with it a terrible, unintended consequence yes. of the wisher. Right. Is it an intended consequence of the claw? Probably. It's dark magic, it seems. Right. All magic comes with a price. But the person wishing it just simply wants what they want. Mm-hmm. But it, the, the price, as you said, is something bad has to happen to someone. Yeah. There's some collateral damage. Right. That the claw brings. So... This is not good. In his panic, uh, not wanting to do this, but in his panic, Dougie makes a mistake. Again, not trying to be selfish. He just says, I wish Gramps was here. Oh. Right. Oh, the boy. problem, Kevin immediately lets him know, like, dude, your Gramps is dead. Here we go. And immediately a horn honks from down the road. It's like, <laughs> and the boys look out the window and see. A car slowly pulling up. It's an old car. Yeah. And Dougie recognizes it. Oh, boy. As Gramps' car. Oh, my God. So creepy. Kevin and Dougie then begin to fight over the claw because both because Kevin just wants to do another wish to fix it. But Dougie says, no, that's not how you do it. In fact, I think Dougie actually says something like that. He says, no, that's not how we fix this thing. So yeah. They're, but they're fighting over the claw. Yeah. All the while, we see from... from Whatever the heck's perspective, <laughs> something is approaching the door. We know it's Gramps. The, yeah. fa- the thing is, we don't know what it's going to be like. What Gramps is going to look like? Ugh. He could be a skeleton. He a could zombie-looking thing. Undead. Yeah. Right. The doorbell went, rings, and both kids freeze. Dougie takes the opportunity to get the claw. He holds it in his hand, and he says, "He that he apologizes for what they did to Miss Clovis." Says, "I'm sorry. We broke the vase." And wishes that it never happened. Not only, so it's not just I take back the wishes. He goes back to, to the source of it, to what they did before they got the before they even you know yeah. made the wishes, which was I'm sorry for what we did to Miss Clove. Yep, the key. And then I immediately go back to her laugh when yeah. they went off. So now that we know that the claw is magic, we can go back to Miss Clove, who clearly knows it's magic. Who is a witch? Duh. Who is a witch. Like, come on. <laughs> and was laughing because... I'm going to get him. She's going to get these boys. <laughs> Dougie apologizes and takes back... You know, Dougie apologizes, wishes that they had never done it. A true apology, sincere mm-hmm. remorse that, yeah. he, that he felt when they first did it. Yeah, I was going to say, he was family. always there. Right. He was already in that place, but he was... he. Unfortunately, the strong one in this story was really being led by, the, by a weaker one. Absolutely. That's as it, that's the case oftentimes. As, I was going to say, as it often is, really, in life. Like, really, the, the true strength is looked at as weakness. Yes. Which is doing the right thing. Yeah. Which is feeling for... Uh, feeling remorse. Yeah, doing the right thing and caring about people. Yeah. The claw suddenly disappears from Dougie's hands. But the doorbell still rings. They're like, oh, God. Right. Yeah. Uh, Dougie decides to open the door. Kevin's like, no. He's like, I gotta. Strength again. All right. It's Dougie's parents. Coming back home because they forgot their keys. I don't know how they were even able to leave 
Well, I they got know. two sets of keys. They got a. Cu- they they got, said, I mean, they're not on one key ring. Couldn't they have said they forgot something else? Their wallet or something? We right. got to the theater and we realized. forgot literally anything other than our keys. Yeah, like because that right. Whatever, it's fine. Whatever. The boys then discover that Kevin no longer has the medal from the six hundred. Doug is like, check your pockets. Mm-hmm. Kevin's like, my medal. He's like, oh my god. Boss Kevin has not learned anything from. No, this. he hasn't. The truth is, uh, with everything being reversed, everything that was supposed to happen has now happened. Yeah, Bostic was supposed to win. Right. Just like he was supposed to. All the bad fortune is reversed. And then the doorbell rings again. Understand, Dougie's mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Freeman, have returned home. Right. So who else is supposed to arrive? Who else is supposed to arrive? I mean, we have to assume maybe Gramps. Right. Like that. Maybe maybe that's the one thing that didn't get offset. (laughs) The boys open the door. They find that no person is there. But rather, something has been left at the porch in front of the door. The vase that they broke. Oh, no. Is back in one piece. And there's a little note on it. The boys unfold the note. And written in an almost archaic, old, classic looking script. Yeah. Were the words, trick or treat. Oh. David, I love it. David ends his story. All they could hear was the sound of the wind blowing through the trees. Or was it the cackle of a sly witch? The end. I love it so much. So you find that, you know, and Yossi's there, and he goes, "Dad, well, cause what's funny is <laughs> Yossi's he's seven, and 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 he was like, it's not the it's not the claw, Dad, it's not the claw." I'm like, you just keep watching. <laughs> By the end of it, Yossi goes, "She's a witch." I went, "Boom." <laughs> Miss Clove is, you know, you take Zebo out of the picture. Yeah, yeah. Miss Clove is one of my favorite um, antagonist. I, I don't even like to call her an antagonist. She's a force. She's a force. Miss Clove doesn't bother anyone. No. She doesn't. No. Well, for but one the thing, balance was upset let's with go, them. Let's go back to the beginning the, real quick. Yeah. Just let me start over. Miss Clove's a witch. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that. <laughs> we know that. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Before you go, then I'll let you go. No, no. So one, Miss Clove's a witch. But two, what, what is interesting about Miss Clove is she obviously has and really... We don't know how powerful she is. I know. But what's interesting is she bothers no one. Right. And w- She just sits in her w- big weird house. But is that all she does? We, right. It's what we don't know. So, yeah. so yeah, what do you make of that? Well, like, I, well, first of all, I just wish I had that neighbor. Because I'd be up at her house being like, can I make potions with you? Like, you know, right. first of all, just aesthetically very pleasing. Yeah. But... For me, I feel like it's like like you like we said. She's not. I don't. She's not bad by any means to me. No. In fact, when the kids come in, I, I it's clear that she welcomed them in to give them the claw. Yes. But I. But but her, she really was like, I'm so happy that someone stopped by. Yeah. I, but I really think that had they had not done that night before and actually stopped by, I think she would have been. I think she would have been. I don't know, giving them some weird I think, stuff. But I know? think she would have been happy to see some kids. I do. On her favorite night of the year. I do. I think, because we know for sure it is her favorite night of the year. Like, of course it is. Yes. But um, I think that for her, it's 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 kind of, it's the it's the Zebo effect in a way. Zebo doesn't ever leave the spook house. Right. That is his domain. Right. She, I'm not saying she doesn't leave her house, but she doesn't exact, from what we know, she does not exact any kind of vengeance outside of her doors. She no. just simply is, and you know, obviously the kids know, which makes me think, who has this happened to before that these that these tales right. surround her? But the balance was upset because they accosted her on her big night, on her night, right? And for it, for a moment, she was like, "Ooh," but then she was like, "Ooh." Yeah. Like, I haven't done this in a minute. Right. Like, let me, okay, all right. Like, you know, I, yeah. I imagine her, like, going back inside and just, like. Because you got to think. I know exactly what I'm going to do. So here's one thing that I do surmise about Miss Clove is that she's an uncountable amount of years old. I think oh, she, for sure. I think she's probably really old. Which she's mean, hundreds of years old. Which There's no way. she probably understands very well Mischief Night. Of course she does. Which you said is from 1790. Yeah, it's, well, it's. It's first mentioned, so who knows how old it is. So imagine her shock. Whoa, whoa, I just got sprayed with shaving cream. And then it's like she stops and she's like, oh, okay, I know how to play this. Yeah. Let's play the game. Yeah. And I like to think, too, because, okay, so let's examine the nature of the Twisted Claw. 
the whole reason she is doing this is because let's let's think about it because it's it gives you what you want, right? Yes. And whenever we go after what we want, just purely what we want, right. inevitably we will hurt someone in turn trying to get what we want. Yes. They wanted to exact mischief on mischief night. So what did they do to her? They accosted her. They not hurt maybe physically, but but that's that's, that's emotional that's really damage. Disturbing. Yeah. So. They did so. She was like, "I will teach you what pure self motivation will do. Like, yeah. I'll, I'm going to teach you what just going after what you want will do." Well, they mess with the wrong one because there's no telling what she's seen. Exactly. And so I, I think it's and it makes me wonder. Like, okay, did all those things really? Ha- I mean, obviously we know it was all an enchantment in a way, but she she clearly has a very I don't want to say pure. Pure's not the word, but she has a very stark view. Of how we should hold ourselves in the universe, which I would say that you know witches do kind of have a a balance right of the universe and the good and bad and you know right. all this stuff, so I feel like she's like this is part of her keeping the balance of the world restored and did she know how it was all going to end i I don't know what she knew. I know this though she gave them this enchanted uh, freaking claw claw yeah. But left the caveat that if they would that if one of them apologized and 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 wished the right way, which is I'm sorry, and I wish that none of this ever happened. I'm sorry that I broke we broke the vase. Yeah, and I wish none of this ever happened. She allowed a way for them to get out of it, right, and learn something. But what's crazy is that she never said anything about it. No. So who knows how far this could have gone? Right. And that's fascinating because. You know, and that makes her not, of course, pure as the driven snow. No, she's she's like, listen, you're just gonna learn. A, you're gonna learn a lesson, and, the, and 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 whether whether it ends really badly, right, or you actually get it. And just like when Josh gives Zebo the cigars and door number four opens, yeah, I love the note that says trick or treat. Like you said that to me, yeah, and now I'm saying it to you. Like game's over. Yeah, I won. Like I won. Like <laughs> how, how was that for? And you? here's the vase, right? <laughs> Like, That's amazing. You think you know Halloween, right? Yeah. And I just love that. I love Miss Clove. And I think it's neat because it shows that she is, she too is quite mischievous. She's childlike in a, in a, in a way. Yeah, because again, like I said, when they came in her house, and even though I know she was welcoming them in to give them the claw, I truly believe that she would have loved to have had kids visit her house. Yeah. It makes me think, there's a children's book that we read Yossi every fall called The Pomegranate Witch. Yes, and it reminds me a little bit of that. If you have, if you've got kids and you are spooky like we are, you've got to get this book. Uh, Toby's sister Sarah got it for our kids, and we—I mean, it made us cry. It's so sweet. It's so good. But you know, it's this legend of this witch, and she's a pomegranate tree, and all the kids want a pomegranate so bad, but it's guarded by the witch. Right. And you know, they have this epic war of pomegranates and stuff. And but oh, every night on God. Halloween, yeah, her, she, the witch, flies away. To go be mischievous. And her nice sister stays at home. And she gives all the kids pomegranates and cider. And they sit on her porch and sing and laugh. And then she's like, oh, you got to go. My sister's coming back. Yeah, I don't know what she's going to do. Right, right? you know. And, uh, but, you know, we're grownups. We know that, you know, there's, there's likely a catch to the story, you know. But that's what she reminds me of. Like, on one hand, everyone's scared of her. But at the same time... She might also be this really benevolent force as well. I feel like she puts out into the universe what's given to her. Right. Those that, kids gave that, her mischief, so she gave yeah. out mischief. So, Brooke, did you bought that book. No, Sarah got it for the kids. Or Okay, I'm sorry. My sister got that I book for the kids. I just said that. And we... And and Brooke, either you read it first, and we're like Toby, you need to read. this Yeah, book. I read it. I yeah. read it first because Yossi wanted to read it. Yeah. So then Brooke, y- y- Yossi wanted to read it again. So I said, oh, yeah, you know, it's my my time to put him to bed. At yeah, the, my turn. <laughs> and I'm reading it. You're crying, and I'm crying by the end of it. It, it will make you. It cry. is so heartfelt and sweet, and it's it's honestly great for us for nostalgic now, kids. And 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 if if you've never read the Pomegranate Wrist, you need to do a post on it this week. I will absolutely. And 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 really connect it to the story because I yeah. think it, it's something like that because I think. She she, as we've been talking about, she, I was like, "She's the pomegranate witch." Yeah, because I, what this I me don't of. think Miss Clove is sinister. No. I think that she's a witch, and with that comes everything. Yes, but I don't think that she's like trying to terrorize anybody. No, Mm-mm. I think that she really would love kids to visit her. Yeah, 
And I think the end, the trigger, she has things to give. And I, I think, and I think the end was trick or treat. Was yeah, it was dark and it took him through a lot. But I think she was also like, "Happy Halloween." <laughs> yeah, like I actually enjoyed this. Thank you. Like I want to show you how it's done. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, Miss Clove is played by actress Ann Page, and I have a bit of a bombshell for you. Okay. Ann Page was married to Aaron Tager. Who's that? Doctor Vink. Get out. And the guy who played the carny and he power pl- couple. Right. And, he and I even Zebo. brought Zebo up. Oh my yeah. god. Right. That's a match made in hell. Isn't that something else? <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is so neat. Yeah, she was previously ma- previously married to Aaron Tager. I was like, I know that name. Like, why do I know that name? Yeah. Um. So that is right. Uh, the late Aaron Tager. He passed away yeah, in, in 2019. He was 84 years old. Man. Yeah, but he, yeah, excellent. So, yeah, definitely a power couple. I'm not sure how long they were married or um, with that, but um, anything about that. That but, is interesting. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So, yeah. Two def- great, well, I hesitate to say villain on her part, but. Uh, yeah, but even Zebo, not to, not to you know, jump out of Twisted Claw, but you know, Zebo never, never. Uh, he did try to embezzle. Yeah, like he, was. he wasn't a great guy. I no. think she's just but more the, like, "Hey, it's mischief night. Yeah, Let me do some mischief right. too." Yeah, maybe not quite the comparison. <laughs> but at any rate, yeah. So it it was a great story. So David ends his story, and the the society is captivated by it. Yeah, you know, they love it, rightly so. And Gary takes the bucket. He declares the meeting closed and wishes everyone sweet dreams. Hmm. He extinguishes the fire. And we leave the society for that week. So it was man, that's such a good one. It is a good one, and I love Miss Clove. It's one of my favorites. Any anything with an old witch, yeah, like you yeah. got me. So with your with with all of your great, you know, social <laughs> media powers, we definitely yes, need, we gotta we gotta definitely need to talk build about, this up. Yeah, it'll be fun. So yeah, that's the tale of the twisted claw. It will always be special to me. It will always be special to us. It it is it is the first episode I ever saw, and it it really is. Aside from that one of the best. Yeah. I love the tales that are surrounded that that surround actual Halloween night. Yeah, oh yeah. So. I mean, it's just you can't beat 90s Halloween. Come on. No. We were very lucky to grow up in that. I mean. So, we'll try we we try to recreate it every year. We do. We do. We can only do so much. This All year's right. going to be very exciting. A good, a, it's going to be a good Halloween. On Halloween weekend, we have the Adams Family musical. Oh yeah, that'll um, be fun. Yeah. What are you getting at? <laughs> huh? No, I'm saying. Well, well I'm saying that this Halloween is going to be. It's going to be very nostalgic. Yeah. Have you even talked about? Why? I don't think I've talked about it on the show. Oh, why don't you talk about it? Okay. And we can wrap it up. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Well, I okay. So Brooke, you have a theater. You have a. Um, you have a you have a history in theater. Yes. You finally had an opportunity to Yes. Po, po, now that, you know, it's not 2020. Uh we are uh me and uh the uh local community theater um we're doing The Adams Family Musical. And Brooke decided to audition. And decided to audition. I was yeah, my friend is my good friend is directing it and he asked me, "Hey, would you like to audition?" I was like, "Sure." And, and I auditioned. A, a little, I, little bitty, I got little a bit. little part. Yeah, Some yeah. of you already know that. Follow me on other other avenues of social media. But um, I get to play my my very favorite goth queen. This is a dream role. I'm playing Morticia Adams. Yeah, and I'm thrilled, and it's very fun. And it's going to be this fun outdoor event yeah. with like you know food vendors, and this, it's going to be all this this crazy experience. Yeah. So it's a very nostalgic. Halloween. It's exciting. I'm really proud of you. You're doing great. Thank you. And I can't wait to uh to post a bunch of pictures and flood the tape store podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, the the Instagram with all the images of you as Morticia and the Yes. And it's gonna be great. It's gonna be super fun. So yeah, that's that's coming. Yeah, it'll be good. So it's gonna be yeah, I think we're gonna have a great year with yeah. uh, our spooky season. It'll be fun. <laughs> well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? Uh alrighty. Yeah. Um, if you are on Instagram, that's where we spend most of our time hanging out with everybody. Uh, we are at the tape store. We're on TikTok by the same name. If you're on Twitter, we're the tape store pod. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, we'd love to hear from you. We're the tape store podcast at gmail.com. And as always, uh, we want to thank everyone for their time. It is limited. It is valuable. We know that we've got full-time jobs. We've got kids. Uh, you know, we do what we can to bring this stuff to you guys every week and it's a labor of love we love the 90s we love you guys though yeah we love y'all a lot we do <laughs> and we're we cherish the uh the friends that we've made uh through this uh through yeah this, through friends this. that are not just like podcast friends like we're all like friends friends yeah. now it's super great it's great yeah and uh so give us a shout out 
uh, on Instagram is where we're yes. really active and stuff. And, and, you know, if you have time, leave us a rating. We really appreciate that. Yes, yes, thank but you. But we do appreciate any amount of time you, whether it's a drive to work or you're playing it in your house or whatever, you know, cutting the grass. I mean, <laughs> I've listened to stuff cutting the grass. I'm just yeah. Saying. Whatever you're doing, it, just if you're listening to us, you know, th- this little podcast, we just appreciate it. It's just, it means a lot. So, uh, and that's that. Yep. So we'll be back next week. Next week's going to be super cool. Yes. Okay. Super, so excited. Super cool. We're really excited. So, you know, we'll, we'll post about it when we get there. Yes, yes, But yes. it's going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I just read, Ann Page was married to Aaron Tager until his death in 2019. Aww. So they were married. They were. They were yeah, Zebo so, and, so and, and uh, Miss Clove. Clove for reals. Yeah. You should post about that. This Aww. is going to be a fun week, social media wise. You got a lot of your work's cut out for yes, you. Yes, exactly. Okay. Got to get to work. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for joining us. We will see you next week with more great 80s and 90s nostalgia, particularly Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. 90s nostalgia on the Tape Store Podcast. This has been the tale of the Twisted Claw. You've been with Toby and Brooke, and we appreciate that. (laughs) And we will see you guys next time. Until then, stay spooky. Stay spooky.